um, my tour is God is faithful and true. And Simon just asked me to just share a few stories of my life and how I found that, you know, God is faithful and true. Um, Romans 3, verse 3 to 4. What if some did not have faith? Will their lack of faith nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Let God be true and every man a liar. Have you ever wondered whether God was faithful and truthful or not? Has anything ever happened to you that made you question his faithfulness? If so, take a minute to listen to this story and think about this puzzle. Three friends have a meal in a restaurant. The waiter arrives with the bill, which is £30, and the friends put in £10 each to cover it. When the waiter leaves the table, he finds that he has overcharged them. The bill for the meal should have been £25, so he finds five £1 coins in change. Now, being a slightly dishonest waiter, he decides to give the friends £1 each back, so they end up paying £27 between them and he pockets the remaining £2. But £27 plus £1 equals 29 not 30 Where has the extra pound gone? Mm. When my wife and I first heard this, that puzzle, our responses were different. Rachel got so confused that she ended up announcing that there was a mathematical mistake. She spoke to lots of people, and none of them could solve it. So she concluded that there was a flaw in arithmetic. In some circumstances, perhaps one plus one does not always equal two. I did the opposite. Whatever the numbers were, I knew there could not possibly be a mistake. So I admitted that there must be a logical solution, but that I just didn't understand the numbers well enough. I must have made a mistake somewhere. My confidence in the mathematics was greater than my confidence in my own ability to figure out the answers correctly. There have been times in my life when I've thought, you know, why has that happened to me? Why hasn't God answered my prayers for my husband and family? Is he really listening? Do you think like that? And every time I come back to yes, yes, he is faithful, no matter what the situation I find myself in, God is faithful. And Paul here is saying in Romans 3, no matter what has happened, no matter what it looks like, the one thing that cannot be true is that God is unfaithful. He says, let God be true and every man a liar. For Paul, this is a reflex. It's not something he has to think about. You know, like when we burn ourselves on the oven, we don't leave our hand on the oven thinking, is it hot? Will it burn me? What should I do? You know, it's an automatic response to pull away. And Paul's reaction was like this when asked whether God might be unfaithful. His answer is immediate, not a chance. Paul didn't have to work it out. He didn't have to think about it. Yes, God is faithful. He knew it. Our lives too will be so much easier and better if we could grasp this too. And I was looking in, my old faithful Bible that I had when I was a teenager. And um, in it is probably my teenage walk with God. And it's quite exciting reading it now as an old lady. And, um, but one of the verses I'd wrote in 
years ago, it just, it like, it sums this up. It says, 2, uh, 2 Corinthians, and it is the Living Bible, I'm afraid, because I wasn't a very bright teenager. Anyway, 2 Corinthians 1, verses 18 to 21 says, Never, as surely as God is true, I am not that sort of person. My yes means yes. Timothy and Silas and I have been telling you about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He isn't one to say yes when he means no. He always does exactly what he says. He carries out and fulfills all of God's promises, no matter how many of them there are. And we have told everyone how faithful he is, giving glory to his name. It is this God who we who has made you and me into faithful Christians and commissioned us apostles to preach the good news. So I concluded earlier on in my walk with God that God is faithful. Um, I'd like to share a few stories of God's faithfulness in my life. These stories prove to me without a shadow of a doubt that God keeps his promises. They are yes and amen in Jesus. But some promises and prayers, you know, have yet to be answered. And some situations in my life and family's lives have yet to change. But in these times, we should cling even closer to God and trust even more in the unseen. When I was about 14, a young man started coming to our church. And we got to know each other very well. And we soon became very good friends. Um, he became a Christian a few months later, and we were, we were both, along with six of our friends, we got baptised on the same day. And it was quite a big celebration in our church. Um, you know, eight young people getting baptised was quite amazing at the time. Um, we were still friends, but then I found my friendship for him turning to love. Ooh. And I thought he felt the same, but he definitely didn't. No way. And he backed off, even from our friendship. So, you know, I, I kind of lost him as a friend as well, because I was a bit, you know. Anyway, and I was sad. And I prayed about it a lot. <laughs> and over time, I believe that God told me that I was going to marry him. But I had to wait and be patient. And I believe that God told me two or three years. Where was he? For a 15-year-old... As I was only 15 at the time, that is a long way, isn't it? Three years. And a few people said, don't be daft. There's no chance he won't go out with you. He'd never marry you. And I won't bore you with all the details. So to cut a very long story short, one month after, into the, just before the three years, he asked me out. Three months later, he asked me to marry him. And a year or so later, we were married, and I became Mrs. Julie Travis. Woohoo! And I was so happy. We were both very involved in church. We did Sunday school together. Paul was Sunday school treasurer. We did campaigners. And Paul was, we were involved in youth, and Paul later became the youth leader. And we were going to do Lords for God. You know, we were going to be a team. And us and our family, when we had our family, we were going to serve them together. And then a year or so into our marriage, just after Sarah was born, Paul had a few tough times and disappointments with God. And his life, instead of trusting in God and working through them, he, he just gave up on God and stopped believing. 
and stopped going to church. And it was a really tough time. And I almost gave up myself, but I didn't. You know, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is faithful and true. No matter what the circumstances we find ourselves in, you know, it was Paul who had changed, not God. And that was over 37 years ago. And I'm still praying for him. And God has been there for us. Um, we've had tough times, but we've had some really good, happy times. But what kept me going in, you know, in, in my marriage and in my life is that I know for certain you know, that Paul was my promise from God. And God will finish you know, what he has started. And sometimes God takes his time to answer our prayers, you know, but sometimes it's instant. You know, sometimes he answers our prayers and we don't even know we need what he gives us. Um, a few weeks ago, one Sunday morning in worship, I was singing and mulling over a few situations in my life, a situation in my life and wondering what to do or not to do. I wasn't sure. And um, my Vash and Mona came over and prayed for me. And almost immediately after they had left, Geordie came to the front of church and brought a prophetic word for someone in a scripture. And the scripture was from 2 Chronicles 20. And verse 17 says, You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. That was it. That was my answer. God spoke, you know, instantly. Don't do anything. Uh, and that was a really, you know, big answer to prayer. And I'm still not in that situation. I'm still not doing anything. You know, and God said, I will win this battle for you. So God answers prayers quickly. And when I look around this room, when I, I can see that there's a lot here who have come through Alpha. And I, I mean, if you put your hands up if you were on Alpha and have come, I mean, with a small number of people, there's still a lot of people. And God, you know, I have prayed for you. The Alpha team has prayed for you. And God answered our prayers quickly for you. You know, some of you became Christians in the first couple of weeks. But, you know, God answered our prayers as a church. And it's brilliant to see you, you know, here and growing. And like Val, I think it's probably 16 years. Bill, you took a bit longer. We had to pray a bit harder. But, you know, God is faithful. And, you know, we are still believing and still praying for more people to come to know him, you know, through Alpha. Um, and also... Um, Quite a few years ago, um, Jen was involved in an accident and she, um, she got knocked over on her way home from school. And she ended up in intensive care and on a life support machine. And that happened on the Monday. And on that Monday, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, what the doctor told us wasn't good and I, I, we weren't sure if she was going to live or not. And then the next day, Shirley had been praying for her and God gave her her word and Shirley was just a young Christian, you know, at this time. But Shirley, as soon as Shirley read this word, and then she gave it to me, and it was, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on earth. And instantly, on that Tuesday, I was just filled with this peace from God. 
you know, instantly, no matter what was going on. I mean, the next couple of weeks, months weren't, weren't good on the outside to look. But I just knew in my heart I had peace. God had spoken and she was going to be fine. You know, and she was. And yesterday when I was at the hospital with her, she didn't, she didn't look too fine. And God reminded me of this verse again. And, um, you know, and she is fine today. I can, you know, say that. And I became a Christian when I was 11 or 12. Um, I started to pray for my family. Um, I invited my family to different things that were going on in the church. I started taking my brothers and my sisters to Sunday school, probably just one or two at a time, because four would have been, you know, a bit too much. And, um, and then they started going to the youth when they got older. And my sister Sue became a Christian when she was about when she was a teenager. She was about 13. But the others stopped going. I think actually they were thrown out of the youth, if I remember. <laughs> I understand. Well, yeah, so, they were told, sorry, you know. So, but I was over the moon, you know, one of my family members had become a Christian, my sister Sue. And I thought, bro, me and Sue together can win them. But it didn't happen. And maybe listening to this story that Shirley told me after she became a Christian was maybe the reason. Right, our Sue is um, very musical. She could pick up any instrument and play it. She'd bring all sorts home from school. I mean, one day on the bus, she brought a big accordion. She came in home playing this accordion with her, blinking. Oh. But in the end, she settled with the guitar, and she would play the guitar, and she learned the, the, the guitar very well, and she would sing. And um, I had a, someone who bought me my very first Christian LP. In fact, it's the only LP I had. And it was by a man called Larry Norman. That's a long, long time ago. But at the time, he was the hip. You know, he was the um, Chris Tomlin and the Matt Redman of your day. He was the Andy Colclough of the day. <laughs> he was amazing. And one of the songs on that album, I was so loved, and she loved playing it and singing it. And the words were, excuse my singing, I'm going to sing it. And the words were, um, um, if I can think how the song starts. Um, life was filled with guns and war and everyone got trampled on the floor I wish we'd all been ready two men walking up a hill one disappears and one's left standing still I wish we'd all been ready there is no time to change your mind the sun has come and you've been left behind. And at this, she'd be still playing and she'd look to Shirley and Polly and all them. That's you, that's you, you're left behind. <laughs> not me and our Julie. No, not me and our Julie, we're going to heaven. You, you too, me mum and dad, you're left behind. But then our Sue never ever went on to tell them how not to be left behind. She never ever told them about the gospel. You know, so I don't really think, I mean, she was, she, I don't think she grasped it at the time. Hopefully she did later, but at that time she didn't. But anyway, by now, our Sue was married and had left home. About, my dad had passed away. Um, Shirley was living with Stu, and Pauline and my brother, Mickey, were still at home with my mum and nana. And at this time, Stu was really poorly, and he was in hospital. And... My mum was very poorly as well, and I was worrying about Pauline, 
left at home to look after her. And, you know, I was really worried for them all. And I just thought, how can they cope without God in their lives? You know, none of them were Christians. And, you know, my hope was just, you know, at a, for them was just, you know, at a low. And I was really sad. And um, one night I was at house group. And we used to call it house groups in them days. Um, in the olden days. And during worship, we were learning a new song. And the words to that new song were, what? I won't sing it this time. I won't. I won't. We won't go there. But the words to this song was, what a hope you have called us to. Life forever giving glory to you, awaiting the time you make all things new. More than we ask or imagine, far beyond our wildest dreams, all you've provided in Jesus Christ, with grateful hearts we receive. Now this song was based on Ephesians 3, verse 14 to 21, and this is one of my favourite scriptures. And as everybody knows, if I write a card or anything out, this is a scripture I give people because not only is it for me, but it's for, it's for all of us. For this reason, I kneel down before the Father from where his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power, that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. And that night as we were singing this song, I just, I just started to cry and I was really, you know, really sad and really worried for my family. And they, they needed God. You know, he was going to heal them, he was going to help them and he was going to sort you know, everything out. And... Um, and people prayed for me that night. And, um, you know, I was, I was just losing hope and feeling overwhelmed by the enormity of it all. And so they prayed for me and for my family and for Stu and for Shirley. And a few months after that night, our Shirley became a Christian. And then a little while longer, my brother, my mum, my sister Pauline, they all became Christians. Woo! And eventually, our Stu, because he was the hard one, but eventually, he had a thing about dinosaurs. But, <laughs> but eventually, our Stu became a Christian. And it was such an amazing time in my life. You know, to see, you know, answered prayers. I've been praying for years for them. You know, and it was just amazing. And um, Andy Ball spoke a couple of weeks ago about the lady who touched Jesus uh, court and was healed and he said that she was not only healed but restored back to her community and that he said that she got more than she expected or even asked for so and now not even did God save my family but you know they were growing in him they were grounded in him and to see them serving in the church is is just amazing and to see my very shy sister you won't believe that, but she was. You know, leading worship and uh, leading Alpha with Stu and, you know, and Pauline serving in kids' work. 
you know, it's just amazing to see what God has done in their lives and, and now, you know, their, their families' lives, you know, in Chris and Hannah. And, it, you know, it's just amazing. You know, but as God fully answered all my prayers for them, and I, I would have to say no. I mean, not long after, uh, my mum died, and she was, she was only 58. But so, she, you know, God didn't heal her, but she was a Christian, and she was saved, and she was going to heaven. And Pauline is still praying for Mark and for her family. And as you know, you know, Shirley and Stu, we're still praying for Shirley and Stu. We're still praying for Stu. And Stu, you know, is still not restored. So is he still faithful and true? Is God still faithful and true? You may have some situations in your life where you are thinking the same. But if you don't have an explanation, what, what do you do in the meantime? Some people take the jury's out approach. God may or may not be faithful, depending on whether I can get my head around what he's done or not done. This is as daft as spending the time before you understand the puzzle I read earlier, wondering whether there is a mathematical mistake or not. But some, like Paul in our passage and others, acknowledge the limitations of their understanding and, simple, and simply affirm that no matter what has happened, God is faithful. As some of you know, Stu is still battling with his illness. And they have had, in the 24 years that he has been a Christian and Shirley, you know, he's had times of being well and he's had times of not being well and he's not well, you know, at this this moment and you know these past four or five years have been really hard for them as a family and for all of us you know but especially Shirley and some may say to them is God really with you you know like non-Christian is, is he really faithful are you sure about that things don't, don't look like that and I know that Shirley will say yes because she has grasped that truth for herself and her family and is hanging on for it, you know, for, for Stu and for her family. No matter what happens in their lives, no matter what the enemy tries to throw at them, she's not giving up. You know, God is faithful and true. It is yes and amen in Christ. And, that, you know, they still have hope and faith that God will heal. Some when hard times come, run from God. Instead of running to him, sorry, some, when hard times come, run away from God instead of running to him. You may be having difficulties of your own and you may want to give up and run. Some of you may have already given up in your hearts already. But we have to stand firm and fight and trust God more. Um, my dad had a saying, in life there are workers and shirkers. Make sure you're a worker, not a shirker. And I've always tried, we've always tried to keep that. And, um, and sometimes, our Christian life, we've got to work hard. We can't be shirkers. We can't run away from whatever difficulties we find ourselves in. And our Shirley is a worker. And last week, she said to me, the Christian walk is not like a battle. It is a battle. And we have to keep going because... Jesus won the ultimate battle for us, for us. He died for us and rose again so we can have life 
and life more abundantly. Um, and in Philippians 3, verse 12 to 14, uh, verse 13, it says, Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward to Christ. And listening to uh, the talk that John Hosier gave about heaven, you know, it's, it's going to be such an exciting place. And, you know, I can't believe that me, this 16-year-old, I'm a year or so off 60, and I've got three grown-up kids, and I'm a, a grandma, and I think, where has that time gone? And, you know, we're not here for long, and God wants us to make every minute count, and he wants us to press in, and he wants us to keep praying for family and keep praying for friends and to keep going and not to give, to give up because, we, you know, we're not here for long. And 2 Corinthians 4 says, verse 17 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on Jesus. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Do you believe that, everybody? And I'm sure there's going to be an opportunity for, you know, if you've got things... And like as um, Julia shared, you know, you might be going through some tough times and you might want God, you know, to, to break into your life. And, and as Raj said, for the monsoon to come. And um, so to finish, I'll just like to share a story that I heard many years ago when I was at Sunday school. And, you know, this talk, God is faithful because before the beginning of time, he had a plan. Before we were born, he loved us. You know, he created us. And he promised that he would make a way for us. He promised Jesus, the saviour of the world, who died for us and rose again. So, you know, God is, is faithful. And he sent Jesus. And if he doesn't do anything else for us ever again, he's done enough. You know, we're saved and we're going to heaven. And this story is a little boy. And um, he decided to make himself a boat and he got some wood bits of wood and some material and he carved this boat and he painted it and he, he polished it and he varnished it and put the sail in and it was perfect and he took it down to the river with his dad health and safety he was with his dad and, um, and he, he sailed it down the river and he, he would take it every week down the river anyway this one day when he took it down the river it was very windy and very blowy and a gust of wind took his boat and it started to go downstream. And this little boy was so upset and he started running after it and his dad started running to try and catch this boat. But sadly, the boat just disappeared out of sight. And he kept going back to the river to see if he could find his boat and he didn't. Anyway, a few, about a month later, it was his birthday and he'd been given loads of money for his birthday. And his mum said, you know, let's, we'll go and spend your birthday money. So they went into town. And um, when they passed the charity shop, there in the window was his boat. It looked a bit battered, but his boat was there in the window. And he said, there's my boat. I want to buy it. And his mum said, look, look how much it is. 
She said, it's all your birthday money. He said, I don't care. I want to spend all my birthday money. I want my boat, please. So she said, well, it's your money. So he went into this charity shop and he bought his boat and he came out with his boat and he was so excited and he hugged his boat and he said to his boat, you are now twice mine. I made you, I created you, and now I've bought you back at a price. And that is, that is God. You know, he made us, he created us, and he's bought us at a price, and the price is his son, Jesus. So, there, finished.